Hey, what the health tech listeners? I'm your host, Chloe Weatherhead. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas, and best practice in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to Mike Taylor, CTO at Radar Healthcare. Mike's IT journey started when he was a child, programming on the ZX Spectrum, showing his age. He would spend hours coding Sinclair Basic. He didn't pick this love of everything IT until his early 20s, after doing several varied jobs from working on cars, sports and teaching. It was at night school that he rekindled his love for software development, doing C and VB6. The rest is history. Working his way up through the ranks in several head of and director level roles in the IT legal industry and joining Radar Healthcare at the end of 2021. Mike's main focus is helping the company grow from a strategic point of view, building teams and their structures, upskilling team members and assisting growth in UK and international sectors from a technical standpoint. Outside of work, Mike has a keen interest in health fitness and has competed in bodybuilding around the world, even stepping on the Mr Universe stage once graced by Mr Schwarzenegger himself. Hi Mike, welcome to What The Health Tech. Hi Chloe, thanks for that amazing intro. (laughs) Today, I want to talk a bit about system integrations and what that means for health and social care organisations. We hear the term interoperability and integration used a lot, but it'd be great to find out more about what it means, why it's beneficial and why systems should have that ability to talk to each other. A good place to start, what do we mean by integration? Yeah, so integrations, it is a, it encompasses a lot. So <clears throat> we've got things like um, in simplistic terms, it's application to application or sometimes abbreviated to A to A. So it's how one application can talk to another one and pass data between the two. So some examples would be, uh, you know, in sort of healthcare when you've got one system that wants to use um, a u- user's information from another one. So it could be um, Active Directory. So it could be that your healthcare system wants to get login information for that for, for you logging into the system. So would you, we would connect to Azure AD and we'd be able to pull that information down into, into radar, for example. Okay. Um, another example could be um, the likes of Epic and Cerner and these type of things where you're, for example, imagine you're filling out a form in, in radar or in any other system and rather than typing that information in, you want to be able to look up this data. So from drop downs and things like that, yeah. those drop downs can be linked into an API. So as you click it, pulls back the data from another system and it's available there. So you can imagine the benefits of that, obviously speed, um, no human error and stuff like that. So that's the type, type of thing. Um, but on, they're, like, they're, they're, they're what's called APIs. You also have things like um, connecting to... Um, Databases. So again, one of the things we do at Radar is we open up a, a database connection so people can connect their BI platform in. So that's a form of integration. And then some systems don't have limited um, functionality. So we can do things like CSV and XML imports. So they're basically a flat file. So you can imagine a flat file being, being presented and the system can essentially read that, transform it into what it needs, and import that into the the, the new system. 
or the other system. Okay, so you've mentioned a few benefits there. What would you identify as the key benefits of integrating systems to health and social care organisations? Yeah, I'd say there's probably three main reasons. I sort of touched on them there. So um, reduced risk. So with the best one in the world, you know, humans are inputting this data. So if you've got multiple systems where they have to repeat a job over and over again, so it could be like they have two systems, three systems, an event happens, they have to type it in one system, and then you have to almost like copy and paste it and stick into the next. Yeah. You can imagine, you know, you could put the wrong date in, you could put the wrong user ID in and things like this. It could, could cause a lot of issues. If those systems are connected, you only have to fill it in once and it's passed over. And obviously that leads me on to efficiency. Again, people aren't essentially wasting time, copy and pasting, moving data from one to another. And it improves data integrity. So if there's less errors in the data, you can imagine what your, your MI is going to be more, more powerful, um, less, less full of errors and, and things like that. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, obviously, we do at Radar with the projects team is always look at um, ways we can um, make this type of thing easier for our clients and make things better um, as we're onboarding them. That's obviously what the, your projects teams do. Okay. So we quite often hear feedback about systems not talking to each other. It's definitely something that was mentioned at a recent round table. Why do you think the industry still faces challenges like this? Um, I, do you know what? I don't, I don't think we should be too, too hard on ourselves with, with this type of thing because <clears throat> there, is, there is no standardisation. Um, companies have tried to do standardisation, um, but the, the thing is, is whoever standard, puts a standard out, they're going to be able to monopolise the area. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's going to be company B that goes, well, hang on, well, no, we, we say this is the standard and company C is going to come on, no, no, this is the standard. Um, you only have to look at, you know, how we view things on the web. It wasn't so long ago where Microsoft had the monopoly on how you viewed things on the internet with browsers. Yeah. Like there's meant to be a standard on how you develop websites and stuff like that. Um, and how they're presented and all these type of things and the technologies you use. But Microsoft had the monopoly and obviously they got the wrist slapped and then had to open that up. So will we ever get there? I don't know is, is the answer. Um, but think, things that can sort of have impacts on that are obviously regulations. So obviously they're, they're ever changing and ever, ever improving and developing. Um, but also you've got things like, you know, government, government policies and regulations and things like that. <clears throat> These companies go away and invest in, right, this is the standard way to do it. A, a new government can come in and go, right, rip that off. You're not doing it that way. It's this way. And you've got to think, well, that company's just invested in, in to do it this way. Yeah. And now it's changed to do that. So it's it's constantly, it's a moving target, essentially. Uh, another thing would be the way uh, companies go about buying software. Um, so often companies especially larger companies, act in silos. So you have the head of this and manager of this, and they all go off and buy, they all got their own budget. They all go off and buy their own software. And at some point, all that software has got to talk to each other. Um, 
and it's often overlooked and it's like ah these two systems can't talk to each other we're going to have to, going to, have to invest in some some middleware or um, bespoke developments in the middle and then there's an element of cost um, bespoke developments is not cheap so getting that in cost comes into it as well so people go oh it's not really worth it we'll just carry on doing it the way we've always done it that's everything um let's say that's it okay so what would you suggest to a healthcare team that are trying to get their supply to their supply systems to talk to each other are there a list of questions they should be asking what they should what should they look out for yeah um i think probably the main one is this source of truth um and even before they look at integrating with a you know external system there needs to be a source of truth. So if you're looking at um, user data, for example, or even patient records, if they've got multiple systems all stored in the same thing, which one are you going to integrate with and which one is the which one is the source of truth? So if you give the example before of um, these company in silos, you could go into a company and go, right, which ones, which software am I integrating with? What's the source of truth? All the departments will go, yep, that's me. And they could be off, especially if you've got that human on human error element in there as well. Yeah. Where they're not connected, you could could run into issues there. Um, also, just <clears throat> just defining the goal. So, a lot of companies just sort of go through the process of we've got to do an integration with X, and everyone's sort of running along like lemons going, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to do this. Don't know why we're doing it. We've got to do it. And there's no thought gone into it, no planning gone into it. So it's often, you know, you've got a hard, hard deadline often with these things. And a lot of these things are left right to the end. So planning would be a, a good one, you know, getting a resource involved. Um, technical resource is another one. For some reason, during these processes, the, the technical conversations are had, are had right at the end yeah. when it should be the investigation of that should be towards the beginning um, to make sure you know one you can actually integrate with it and two you actually have got the internal resource to do so and obviously security being a big thing it meets all your security requirements um, which leads yeah so security is a big one um, obviously do your due diligence on, on the company that you're connecting to does the software provide um, a, a, a good way of securing the authentication things like that doesn't meet the needs um, do you have have to get extra resource to do the security checks maybe a pen test um, and uh, data residency is another one so especially in healthcare there's no point you integrate with a system where the data is outside the UK um, it's obviously you, you can't do that so making sure um, all, all those things are in order. Brilliant. Tell me a little bit about the integration <clears throat> work we do at Radar Healthcare. Yeah, so we have, um, I'm going to refer to my list on this one because there's a fair few. So we've got things like, for the, these are for patient records, so this is pulling data into the system. So we've got like Epic, Cerner, HL7, Fire, Abilis, Civica, uh, and some more. Um, and this is allows us to do those, if you've got forms, look up data, again, um, improving validation and data input and things like that. Um, 
of mentioned the BI platforms, they can connect in SQL Server, and we've got the flat files for those systems that are limited on uh, functionality. So if they haven't got APIs and things like that, we can use XML and CSV. <coughs> but what's coming in? What's coming in the future um, is, and we're, we're investing heavily in this. We're recruiting for this as well. Uh, well, we've recruited. We've actually built a team for it. Um, is the radar standard APIs, okay. and this will allow um, things like um, companies to come along and connect with their user data, but also quite powerfully connect into an event. So they have to be able to trigger an event inside radar from another system. <clears throat> so if you can imagine something so simple as filling a form out, um, how that could become more powerful. So you could have your patient record and you fill a form out, say someone's had a trip or a fall and that gets recorded as an event. That triggers into radar. Radar then um, triggers a workflow off the back of that. So the steps that need to be done from that event. But then all, that also pulls back into the our powerful analytics tool. And you can start to look at things and predict what why that happened and how can you stop it happening again? That's where it gets really powerful and cool. So someone just a simple act of filling a form in for a normal event, which they do every day, triggering another system through an API, that's when it can, it can start to get really, really powerful when you're using a system just like, like ours. <clears throat> okay, so you've given loads of great advice. To summarize for our listeners, what would be your top three tips for a successful integration? Uh, top three, top three. <laughs> I would say the technical conversations, again, getting these technical conversations on okay. um, at the beginning uh, rather than towards the end. Um, if you can picture a IT department, I'm IT, so I can say this, not always the happiest chappies in the world, <laughs> um, <clears throat> they... Get uh, someone lands on a desk, you know, you've got to finish this by in four weeks. Yeah. And it's like, what's this? What's that? And no one knows the answers to any of these technical questions. Quite rightly, there's security issues. Um, and then plus, they're not on board. Someone just land on a desk and you know, it's not on board. So getting these conversations in well in advance with these APIs and these integrations is, is, is a key factor, I would say. Um, so just getting the technical people more towards the, the beginning of the procurement stage. Number two, uh, what would number two be? Uh, procrastination. So this comes from, we've spoke about this a few times. We have. This comes from previous examples. So when people have um, integrated with other systems or um bought a new piece of software, it's always painful um, because that there's, you know, all the factors we spoke about, lack of planning, resource, cost, and all this type of stuff, it's always painful. So when pe another one lands on their desk and say, right, you've got to integrate with this other system, people are going to go, oh, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to put that off till next week, next month, and stuff like that. And then before you know it, there's a hard deadline in a month's time, and everyone has to rush that round. And obviously, as we've alluded to, planning is key with these things. Yeah. Um, so if you've procrastinated, 
what's the term? Eat the frog. So pick the hardest thing to do. Do that first. Get it properly planned. And it should. There's no reason why these things just can't go live and they just they just breeze through, like um, quite quite simply. But when the the problems come with lack of planning, yeah. And I suppose the final one is testing. Again, because things get rushed, um, it does hard deadlines and things like this. Testing is always something that is a sort of afterthought. Everyone hates testing. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, this is why, obviously, we've got a testing team to allow that, you know, but it's it's always overlooked with um, in, in these projects and it's always rushed through. What's the minimum amount we can do to get it live? And it's like, ugh, you're just going to create problems for yourself. So it could be, you might get lucky and find those errors on go live date. But if you're not lucky, you could be finding these six months down the line when all the data is completely incorrect. Um, and it's going to come back and bite you in the proverbial. So, yeah. So, I'd say technical procrastination and testing are my top three tips. Perfect. Thank you. At the end of each episode, we ask our guests to describe their what health tech moment. This question is a bit of fun. We want to hear your weird and wonderful stories that you've experienced in the health and social care industry. Or, if you haven't got anything weird and wonderful, something that's made a real impact on you. A life-changing moment. What's your experience? Yeah, I'd say I, this. my response encompasses all of those things in one. <laughs> um, and I could probably bl- blame Simon, our head of sales, for this one, if you're listening, Simon. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we went to a, an NHS trust for a meeting, um, which I presumed four or five people sitting around a table, yeah. walked in, there was about 40, 50 people there, um, and I went, oh, you're up on stage and here's your microphone. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say that was my, um, what, what, the, what the healthcare moment was that. Definitely yeah. put you on the spot. It certainly did. It <laughs> certainly did, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us this week and thanks to you all for listening. Next week, we're going to hear from Rebecca and Lauren, digital PR experts who work with health and social care sectors across the UK to help them manage their reputation, raise their profile and promote themselves to new patients or residents. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have any questions for us or our guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. <laughs>